We made it. This is week four of Moses Moments. Last week, the last week of four weeks. How many have enjoyed learning a little bit about Moses? When you came in, you thought he just was in a van down by the, I mean, a boat down by the river. Sorry, Chris Farley. Now you knew he was actually much bigger than that. He was a, he was a gangster before Jesus to, to prelude the coming of the Christ in the New Testament. It's so good. I'm going to get you today. No, 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 let me say it again. God's going to get you today. I just had a really bad trigger from saying that because someone told my mom once, God will get you for that, and I just wanted to smack the lady. And I never, this is when I was a kid, y'all. I don't smack people now that I'm, you know, a pastor and everything. I just smack them in the spirit. But uh, so I don't mean God's going to, like, he's going to get you. Like, it's not Halloween tomorrow, you know. This is Jesus. He, he's just going to, he's going to touch you today, okay? He's going to get you like that. That's what I mean. He's going to get you in here. And if he gets you in here, he's going to start to steer. <laughs> and when he can steer, your life changes. But if he can't get the wheel, we're just buddies still, me and Jesus. Let me give you a couple announcements here. By the way, I was worship with y'all on stage, the one back there. I was standing on the stage back there during song one. And I looked up. I'm like, oh, my Lord, this is our stage. I was standing on it, Nalani. Y'all were up here, I was back there, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really coming. We got the frame, pray, pray for all, pray for an engineer on our team right now that is taking a little longer to get us some specifics for this big old truss that's gonna be hanging from the ceiling in the back because she's taking a little bit long, like six weeks, it should've took a week, and so it's holding up progress. So pray for our engineers helping our general contractor that we get that this week, please. Amen, okay. We got, the, we got the framing back there. We get, it's going to be so good. And it's the first time I stood back there actually during worship and started feeling how I was up four foot in the air. And I saw all the stuff. And I saw the congregation was like so much deeper. And it was just like, whoa, this is getting real. It's getting real in here. I liked it. It was good. And you're all going to love it. And we're this close, guys, taking this wall out. So praise God for that. Amen. Someone's got to do it. This community needs Jesus. You know? I was telling Michelle, some people build prayer rooms. I'm building an arcade. I said, drastic times call for drastic measures. And we do what we got to do to get people in here because they don't know we're going to drop a Jesus bomb on them. They don't know that. They think we're selling out. Yeah, we are. We're playing the game. We're going to get people in here because we're going to connect with people and then we're going to drop Jesus on them like they've never felt. God called it. We got a really cool arcade coming, by the way. If you like, even if you're an adult, we're going to have arcade event nights. And you got to come. Jen will be having an arcade with uh, like some coffee and some water, and y'all can compete against each other and have a little arcade. Oh, group, get together. Wouldn't that be fun? No kids for this one. Maybe we'll stick them in a kid's classroom with a child care, but this is, this is an adult event the one-seat arcade. There's no mercy once you enter those doors. Just so you know, we leave Jesus at the door. Just so you know. <laughs> We're doing a food drive. Let's give it up for Jen Hill behind the curtain. She's like the wizard behind the curtain. Jen's heading up our cornucopia of care food drive for the city of O'Fallon. That's a mouthful. And we are collecting 
Start prepping now. I'm going to the grocery today, people. I'm going to see if I can outdo y'all in there. So get your canned goods together because we want to we want to fill the corner. And I want to dare them to see if we can fill two pickup trucks. Can we fill, can we get past one full-size truck bed? Come on, people, it's canned goods for people who don't have food. I think we could do that easily. So I dare y'all to bring your best donation to the Cornucopia Food Care next week and the week after, or the two weeks we're doing a drop-off. There'll be some kind of sign or something, right? And, and we'll be stacking canned goods, non-perishable items for those hungering for food this Thanksgiving. Did you know people hunger right around your church here? They're that close. So let's bless someone this, this year at One Seed, through One Seed, by being God's people. Next week, everybody say next week, we've got a special guest coming from Norfolk, Virginia, Dr. Antipas Harris. He's the former associate pastor, one of, uh, at the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas under Bishop T.D. Jakes. He's also the founder of the Urban Renewal Center in Norfolk, Virginia, helping kids get off the streets and into um, cool programs that keep them, keep them in church, keep them in good fellowship, keep them away from bad influence. And he's coming to bring a word here Sunday, November 6th. And I'm super pumped about that. Should I share a little bit more about that or should I wait? I'm going to tell you one more thing. So I'm in this Master's of Theology program. I don't, it's just, I'm almost done. We've talked about it. I'm almost done. Two more classes. And when I started, he was the dean. And then he became my friend. And now he's coming to speak at one seat. Isn't that funny how that works? I was just a kid in his class. 40-something-year-old in his class, and now he's coming to speak at one seat. He's been a pastor, a professor. He's got all these titles. He just makes me feel really unintelligent with some of the big words he uses. Oh, but I love him, and I can't wait to bring him here. Last big announcement. This is my biggest announcement for today, probably for the year. <laughs> How many know who Camilla Gwaltney is? Yep, yep. She'll be one year uh, December 7th, RSVP, if you, got, if you got the cool invite, RSVP, we're going to be throwing down for her one year. Anyway, she did something finally. Thank God. I was always first, Jen, for all four kids. And this kid just didn't want to say daddy. Didn't want to say dada. She'd been saying mama for three months. And yesterday, I was messing around on the camera, and out of nowhere, she goes dada. I said, there is a God. Did you say dada? She's like, yes, I did. No, she didn't do that part. But she said, dada. It was clear as day, okay? I didn't exaggerate it. I'm not one of these parents who just make it dada when it was really mama. It was dada. I got it on recording. So there, that's, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Thank you, Camilla. She ditched church today, but she's 11 months. All right. Let's get into this last week of Exodus. Moses. Normally, you would hear this passage and go, this is the most boring passage on the planet. I think I'll go play on my phone right now, Pastor. But no, I'm going to tell you that we're going to pull something from this that's going to, it's going to shock you a little bit. It's going, to, it's going to make you hopefully see something in the mirror. Well, some of y'all, most of you are saints, but the ones that aren't, you're going to see something in the mirror reflective of this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 21. We've talked about Moses as a baby getting dropped in the Nile in the reeds being called to his reservation before he even knew it by his 
by his calling and his mom was, God spoke to his mom to put him in the Nile to preserve him for his calling. And then we talk about him getting a little older and getting a little, getting a little hood and, and having to get in a couple scuffles to, to protect his brethren with the Egyptians who were being rough with, and he, you know, he, he killed the guy and he buried him. It was kind of, kind of rough. And then, and then we talked about last week and we talked about all these things. And this week we're talking about where he gets the law. Anytime you hear the law, it's like a snooze fest, right? The law. You know what the most boring book on the planet of, of Bible books is? Leviticus. Nobody goes, I can't wait to go home and read Leviticus. It's so good. So we talked about Leviticus today, and it was so good. Nobody, nobody says that because it's not. It's boring. It's, it's the law. It's the declaration of the tabernacle in the law, and it's precision because God is precise. And everything we, we learn in the Old Testament doesn't really make sense now, but it was positioned to fulfill, be fulfilled by what Jesus did in the New Testament. That's why it's still relevant, and that's why we still include it in our Bible. So this is where Moses gets the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. This is pre before he get them on the tablets, before he, you know, used his cricket machine and tableted up those things. I think God uses one of those cricket machines up in, up in the mountain. Anybody know what I'm talking about, the crickets? Okay. God uses crickets, so you know. It's in the Bible. All right, Exodus chapter 20. Verse 1 through 21 is 21 verses. I'm going to go a little quick here. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, or, uh, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God and am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son, your daughter, male or female servant, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right. Honor your mother and your father so that you may live long in the land of the Lord God is giving you. How many teenagers, when they were teenagers, did that? Not I. I didn't know that scripture back then. 13, you shall not murder. This is Moses getting the law here. Remember, he just murdered. You shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your... Um, your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or his donkey. I really wanted that donkey. Mm, too bad. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. Look to your neighbor, tell them they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we 
will die. Y'all don't know. See, they're used to speaking through the high priest of the tabernacle. They could not go to God directly, but Jesus changed all that. And here's an indicator, a a prophetic indicator that God is changing all that because he's saying, listen to me directly. That was not normally the case. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So God, God gave Moses the word, the 10 words, we call them the law, the 10 commandments. And the people were so freaked by, by the smoke and dark cloud where Moses was speaking to God at that they didn't want to come near it. My final title of this four-week series is Keeping Our Distance. Keeping Our Distance. We've all heard the Ten Commandments, as this was establishment of the law of words, is what it really says. That's the ten words God gave to the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai. We may not have them memorized, but we have heard of them and even know some of them well. Thank you. Is it Sean Connery? Who was it? Who played Moses? Charlton Heston. Oh, man. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, Charlton Heston. They, they look alike to me. I don't know. <laughs> Y'all have heard the Ten Commandments. We're not here to memorize that. Today I want to dive into the behavior of the people in the response to God as they receive receive these commandments from Moses and how it relates to us today. My goal, like I said, is not to have you know these commandments by heart. You can study that in your own time because I know y'all do. It's good. I know you go right home and you open up the Bible and you look up the Ten Commandments every week and you recite them by heart. Right? Everybody? No? Okay. I don't either. It's okay. It's okay. But I want to show you how people respond to God's challenge of authority through conviction in our hearts. This is good. Are we aware and avoiding an encounter with God to keep us from changing our ways that conflict with God's commandments. Are you keeping your distance from God? Well, I came to church, and are you keeping your distance from God is the question. You can be in and out of a church every day of the week and not be close to God. So where are you standing while we're sitting? Hypothetically, illustratively, where are you standing right now in your distance with God. How close are you to God? We see, are they wrestling out there? Is that like the ultimate warrior move with the chair? (laughs) Top rope? That's probably my children. Probably my kids doing that. Um, We see something in the church. We see spikes like Christmas and Easter and it really hurts to watch and it's just the way of people. We see them flood in twice a year, and then they're MIA the rest of the year. And I believe, I don't believe it, I know it, because God has shown it over and over, that this is an indicator that I'm in cahoots with knowing Jesus exists, but I'm keeping my distance from really establishing relationship, with really establishing a covenant between me and him. And there's such a difference. One is personal, one is textbook. 
You ever been in a class? I never did good in class. That's why I hated school. Can I say I hated school? Like, I never did good because it was never personal. But, but if you just got in a conversation, I could remember it, and it made sense to me. But if you told me just to study it, I just checked out. Because one is formal textbook, and one is personal. And church can be, uh, excuse me, our relationship with God can be textbook, traditional, or it can be relational. And one is closer than the other to God, unfortunately. We get physically close, but our hearts are distant. Maybe that's who we are. And I'm speaking to somebody today, and I'm speaking to myself at different times of the year. You know, we all work in seasons. Everybody's got a winter, spring, summer, fall, parts of their life. And sometimes you're in spring, and sometimes you're in winter. And when you get in these different seasons, we can be physically present, but spiritually distant in our heart because of different things, different reasons. We call them reason. God calls them excuses. You see, God says, God says, you're delaying relationship because of an excuse that you don't want to let something go. But when I get your heart, you don't want to hold on to nothing else. That's what happens. That's why it's a misconception. That's why it's an, it's an un, there's, they didn't have the revelation yet. Because when you have the revelation with who Jesus is on the cross to you, you don't want to hold on to those things anymore. You don't look at it like I'm losing something. You look at it like I'm gaining everything. And so you're, you have a mind shift. And so we quit, we quit like keeping our distance in that season. We, some, some people just don't go near the mountain. They don't go near the foot of the mountain all year round. They're the ones who have never even come to One Seed Church yet that we bought a chair for because we believe God's going to get to their heart in due time. And maybe they've just seen it online, but they're, they're never stepping foot physically near the mountain foot yet. Is this making sense? Because if they do... They've got to encounter. And if you have to encounter, you got to address some things. And if you never encounter, you never have to address nothing. You just stay the same. You stay the same. I always talk about I'm working on that preacher pack, and as long as I don't look in the mirror, I can't be honest with myself and say, well, get in the gym, work out, do something, change your diet. And I say, God's not doing it, but I'll never, I'll never encounter what needs to happen. That's a joke, y'all. That's a joke, y'all. If we don't get in proximity, we don't encounter. And the Israelites did not want to get near the foot of the mountain. It actually scared them because of what God did through Moses. It's like we're, I always make the joke about keeping Jesus in your poodle purse. Like, like oh, he's cute now. Zip it up when I don't want you. You know, like that's how it kind of how we do it, we conceal parts of our life that don't look good on social media. They don't want to see how it really looks when we get in a fight at my house. They don't really want to see how it looks when Colton gives that look, love you, buddy. And, and then dad has to be the dad again. And then or how, how, like, how like we just, you know, like when everybody's tired or somebody gets sick, they don't want to see all that, you know. We conceal parts of our behavior, of our life, because we don't want God to see it. But I got news for y'all. He sees it anyway. Anywhere, anytime, any place we go, God is there. He's, he's, he's not contained to a thing. He's everywhere at once. I always say, if he can heal a man in Africa and a man in America at the same time, that means he's everywhere at once, right? 
He, can, he just knows all. And so the devil can tell you that that is relationship, but that is not a healthy relationship. That may be like the start of a, of a, a bumpy relationship, but that's not a healthy relationship according to the text here. We can't hide from him. We can worship great on Sunday and then hide out Monday through Saturday and go back to that life. Because we think if we're not physically in the building, I'm not talking about you all. I'm talking about the church, the people of God, the Israelite people of God. That's us in 2022. We think if we can conceal it from people, that we're concealing it from our Father. But he knows all. He don't need a text tracker and a, and a parent alarm on all your tablets and all that stuff because he created it all. He's got the codes to everything. He knows everything we think and we do and we say. He knows the very ha- hairs on our head. He knows every hair on your head, even if you don't have any. When you did, he knows how many were there. <laughs> oh, so funny. I've done it. When I was younger, I would find a reason to talk myself around something I could feel twisting my gut. I had the Holy Spirit, and I could feel the devil telling me, it's okay. Just find a reason to excuse that. And I could feel this panic. And what it was was the Holy Spirit shaking me so strong, trying to lead and guide me. Remember, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide you, but you can tell it no. And I did many times. Has anybody else ever turned their back when when they weren't in the building because they said nobody else knows, even though God said, hello, son, I'm right here with you. Am I speaking to someone today? What laws do we leave by the wayside out of the ten? Uh-oh. He was talking to me. No, God is speaking to your heart. I love when people leave and they get so, I don't, not y'all, you come back next week. They get so offended because they think I was calling them out. And I said, I didn't say nothing. God spoke. I don't even know your name. How could I call out your personal issue? Because God is speaking to your heart. That's how. And they go, whoa. I say, yes, that's how God touches you. That's why you feel like weeping when you hear his word, because he's touching your heart. But we got to get close. So are you keeping your distance from God today? I'm just going to keep my distance. Like Jesus has coronavirus. Dear Lord, does God got to wear a mask? I'm just going to keep my distance. If Jesus walks into the, to the, to the doctor this week over on Winghaven, it says, you must still wear a mask in 2020. Like, you just still got to do it. That's all good. I'm not, no, 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 okay, you can wear your mask, okay, people. We had someone leave the church over this once because I said, hey, we're not going to force people to wear masks anymore. He said, I'm going to find a new church. I said, all right, bye. I said, that's really sad. I didn't say that, but I thought it. Because I was so sad, you know. Like, people, people, they, they don't. They don't want to hear. They want to tell. And so God is speaking to people, and they don't want to hear God. They want to tell God. And, and, and the Bible says, be, be, be slow to speak and quick to listen. You know who said that? Jesus, his own half-brother. He said, be slow to speak, quick to listen. But what do we do? We get around and we want to we wanna rattle off Jesus' head and tell him everything we know about the Bible. God says, I'm not here to be educated by you. I'm here to show you a better way. 
I don't know why I got into the mask thing. I'm sorry about that. It's just in me. We're keeping our distance. Would we keep our distance from Jesus if he approached us today out in the parking lot looking for a parking space? You know, like Jesus undercover. You've seen undercover boss, you know. What would Jesus look like to you if he showed up undercover today and you judged him? We got to get close. We got to close the distance. Anybody like violence, martial arts, fighting? In the name of the Lord. Me and Felix, awesome. When you're fighting, you have to close the distance because if you don't close the distance, you can't reach for an encounter. Now, that's a violent situation, but what about a good situation? What if you want to embrace somebody? You can't hug somebody you can't reach. You got to close the distance. And the Israelites, it said they stayed distant. This is after all they had been through, this is after they've been through the Red Sea. Don't you just want to say, what's wrong with y'all? You just, wa- you just watched God part the Red Sea, and you still don't want to come near him. That shows you how strong we will justify our own way over God's way. You can lie, yourself, lie to yourself all day, but at the end, God says, this is the truth. That is not. Come on, somebody. Are we awake in here? Just clap to make me feel better. All right, thank you. <laughs> it really works. But seriously, I try to make it funny so y'all don't hate me in an hour. But we're preaching fire, Logan. I saw that. Amen, brother. We're preaching fire. You know, that was so good. I saw this clip that Logan commented on. Can I just share this real quick? It was so good. It was from a while ago. And I was talking about a spiritually dead world. In that the church has to make so much noise right now to get the defibrillators back on them to get a pulse back because they're spiritually dead. And then if we just go with the status quo, they won't notice us. So we go big or we go home right now in 2022. Drastic times calls for drastic measures. That's why we got a gumball machine that's coming that's seven foot tall. Y'all didn't know that. Yeah, everything we do is crazy around here because drastic times. Call, did I say that? Did I say the gumball machine? Okay, we're going to have to charge it for the gumballs, though, just so you know. But it's really six foot nine. I know it's weird. God does weird things because drastic times cause Call for drastic measures, and status quo ain't working no more. People are falling faster than they're rising to life. It's, the Bible says the road, the road is narrow, but the, the freeway to the other direction is an open, open, no speed limit. You go as fast as you want, says the enemy. We got to slow the traffic down and change the direction, and we can only do that by making a big noise. That's why we're doing it this way. That's why I love it or hate it, don't understand it. That's why God said you got to do it this way. I think it's special. I really do. I think it's special. I wake up in my sleep and I go, God, we gotta, what do we do? Am I doing it right? Are we doing it right? He says, keep doing it. You Keep doing it. Bridge the gap. Close the distance. Get them in there. Give them some fun. And then just nail them with the word of God to change their hearts. They don't know what's coming. It's like a like a mighty rushing one seed wind coming. Where are you standing? We got to get close.
close the distance. But here's what happens when we won't. We get numb. You can numb your convictions when you stay far enough away because you never have to deal with them. You can be numb to it. Some numb, like, literally with, like, medication, substance abuse, uh, distraction. I numb myself a lot by staring at my mark of the beast, I mean phone. <laughs> I stare at my phone so much, I'm like, why am I even looking at it? It's such a habit because I'm distracting my mind from the thing. It's like broken record. And so we can numb ourselves from avoiding an encounter and feel okay for a minute, but we'll never fix it. We'll never fix it. God said he's a jealous God. What does that mean? You know, when we give more attention to our phone than Jesus, I don't know if he likes that. You know, I thought he meant like some, some Zeus or something back in the day, like a Greek god or something. I think it's a little simpler than that. Remember, the word is supposed to be simply applied. I think if everything we give our time to is bigger and, and more important than Jesus, that makes him jealous because it says he's a jealous God. There's only one God. When I say Jesus, I'm speaking of the Father. He's the, he's the Father in creation, the Son of redemption, and the, the Spirit in regeneration. There's only one Spirit of the living God, okay? So what I'm saying to you is he don't like that. Not only does he not like that, it, it hurts him. God has feelings. You have feelings, you know why? Because God has feelings. And because you feel, we know God feels. Because we were made in his image and likeness, says the Bible. Don't go numb. Those things become idols. They become a God to us. And that's what the text is talking about. I'm not saying we call our new iPhone a God or anything like that. Or I'm not saying like being, being stuck on Instagram ads like I do at nighttime, 2 in the morning. Like I'm not saying that I'm the, oh, God of Instagram. No, I'm not. I'm saying I'm, my attention is given everything to something else. That's what the scripture is saying. Maybe, maybe it's your family Maybe it's a relationship that you're not giving enough time to, that you're giving something of yourself so much to everything else that you're not giving to your own family, your own children, your own spouse, your own parents, like your friends, your pets, anything you love. God wants that kind of love, too. There is no one besides me, he says. I thought it was funny that Moses told the Israelites in verse 20 that God is testing you. He's come to test you. All this time, they could never speak to God, and now God wants to speak to them directly. It's like he called them up on the phone, Google Meet. He says, I'm here. Are you going to join? Like, like, they didn't know what to make of it. It freaked them out because God changes things. When he changes things, it's because he's trying to show you something. And if he never changes anything... He can't show you something. Nothing changes. This part about your children, people will take this one and they really twist it up, I think. He says, I'll punish your kids and their kids and their kids. And if you do my will, I'll bless your kids and their kids and their kids. This is so good. This is how smart God is. He don't have to. You know why? Because we do it to him. We do it to the kids. And that's what he's saying. He's saying when you don't join an encounter with me and get into covenant with me, you've just damned your next generation. 
and now they got to go find me on their own. But you've got an accountability, mom and dad, to show your children who Jesus is. And if you don't, well, that's Old Testament. Hold that thought. I'm coming back to that one too. That's Old Testament. Did it expire? Jesus fulfilled everything that should continue, like adultery, fornication, like, like covenant. All those things are still at play today because Jesus brought forth the things that are still applicable. And this is one of them. We hurt the generation by not encountering God in our time. That's why we started the church. I mean, I love y'all, but my fear was so bad that my kids would not encounter Jesus because of me not showing them. I said, I got to do everything I can because the world terrifies me. So, so be it. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And that's, that's, what, that's what started this thing because I got to know that when their generation comes up, they already know this stuff better than dad did. They don't even think about it. They don't, have to, they don't have to compromise and conceal it like dad did because it's just in them to not. They're purer than me. That's what I want. I want somebody in the next generation to be better than I was. And so if I want to bless them, I got to bless things now. If I want to hurt them, I can throw it away now. Isn't that good? Is that speaking to someone? You don't have to have kids for that to be true. It's everyone you influence. You can ignore it, numb it, and go about your business. But if you don't share Jesus, God says you're not, you're not doing the mission. So we got we to find a way. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't like sit there and talk about Jesus everywhere I go. But I try now to find a way to start being more graceful with people. I try now to be, I notice I'm a little more chatty. I think I'm turning into my dad. I'm a little more chatty like with strangers than I used to be. I used to be like, don't wave to me. Don't, you ever heard the elevator story when I was younger? I'd always get in the elevator when I got to work in the morning, hit the button to shut the door as fast as possible because I didn't want to even say hi to anybody. Like no coffee, no Jeffy. It was not good. I was the devil until I had a little bit of black coffee, you know. But as I've gotten older, I slowed down with people. And if you slow down with people, you'll start needing their, seeing there's trouble and problem and pain every conversation you encounter. It's everywhere. And it's really just enough. Is, is it, are we going to get close enough to see it? Or are we going to keep our distance from it and stay in our really good life? I got a nice new truck out there. It's so good. I love it. I'm just going to be all about me and just talk about my truck, and I'm going to go do things, and I'm just going to live in my bubble. No, I can't do that. God bless me, so I got to do something in return. I got more than I need. I'm going to keep getting rid of stuff in our house because it's crowded. The blessing's so good. It's overflowing so good. It's so good, I don't want the stuff. I said, get rid of it, Michelle. We got no, I'm tired of tripping on the blessings all over my feet. That's everybody's life here. That's not, that's not a PJ thing. That's a Christian thing. You getting this? But you got to close the distance. I want to touch one more thing on this multi-generation thing. <clears throat> don't judge me. But I have a family member, and I've watched their child grow up in another part of the country. And they have taken them down a road that has basically paved a path into what they are becoming. And it's, it's kind of hard to watch because I'm, like, super conservative. I'm super modest. And it's so, like, out there. Like, let's just put everything out there. These are little babies. Like, like, does modesty matter anymore? 
do people care what their daughters look like to men? You know, if your 10-year-old daughter looks like a 20-year-old woman, guess what? Men are going to look at them like a 20-year-old daughter. So what, I, what I'm trying to say, y'all, is this, is this is the culture. It's like, no, it's just no big deal. It's nothing but a thing. But call me old, call me old-fashioned, but I have, how many daughters do I have? I have three daughters, dear Lord, I had to count for a second. And I know what that will do to them and their confidence and their direction. And so I am responsible for how I shape them now for how they hold themselves up when they are old enough to be accountable. And, and I just see that going out the window with, like, everybody. Like, like less is more, like, literally, just nothing. Let's wear nothing. Let's wear nothing. It's, hey, it's wintertime. I didn't know the girls in Target wear nothing in the wintertime. You know, those little girls walking through Target with their cappuccinos, and they got nothing on. I'm like, at least wait till summer. It's freezing out. That's cool. I'll get off my, my bandwagon here. I'm trying to tell you all that we're steering our children. We're steering them in everything we say is fine. Everything's fine. Nothing matters. It's good. Everything is good. When do we have a backbone and say it's not fine? Get some clothes on. It don't look good. You want to be respected? Put something on. I've even had that talk with my own daughter already, and she was like six. <laughs> That's how strict I am. She's like six. And this goes for men too. This is not like a, a female-only thing. I'm saying that is a perfect example of how we are steering the next generation. Now, guess what? When they grow up, when they have children, it's always more aggressive than the previous, right? It's always more watered down. So everything we water down now gets flooded in two more generations. Eventually, it means nothing. Remember when sin was a thing? Is there sin still? Is, is there still sin? Do people, is sin a real thing, Chris? Like, is there? T.D. Jake said it best once. He said, you used to be able to preach about sin. This was 20 years ago he said this. This is nothing new. He said, you used to be able to preach about it, and now you get, you get smacked if you talk about it. What's up with that? I don't know about y'all, but I, I like the Bible. And God's not afraid to be honest with people. And so if you want to bless your children, bless them now. So they can bless their children. And so I'm just encouraging with that. Like, we are accountable for where we steer that generation. God's not the one that's punishing us. We're punishing ourselves with our decisions. And as we get closer, God will give us the revelation of the right decisions. Reverence creates an encounter. They were scared, but they slowly became reverent. Reverent is this fear we talked about where it's like a holy, father-loving fear of God is bigger than me. And when we get to a point where we have a reverence for God, when we have a reverence for God's word and the pastor who preaches it and the things that are delivered here, and we respect that as God is speaking that, we're going to draw closer to God. But until we put down the shield of conviction or the shield of numbness or the shield of uh, reasons, God says excuses, until we put down the shield, we won't have that encounter. Because when you get close, God is going to bless you. He wants to bless you. He's going to bless your children. He's going to change your children's children's future when you get close. When you get close to God in 2022, he's going to bless your grandbabies. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, down and down and down. 
Did it stop with one? It carried on. Why? Because the prior generation's faithfulness. One encounter can change your eternity. I want to do a fun little illustration here. Is Colton in here? Colty? Taz? That's my son. Come up here, buddy. Give it up for Colton. Did someone break the air conditioner or is it me? Okay. Y'all like the new hoodies, One Seed Youth? Coming to a youth group near you soon. Okay, Colton, you're going to be God, okay? Don't let it go to your head. You know, I always thought I'd be not as tall as Jesus, but I'm like towering over you, God. And, and so what I want, let me think. Let me see. I want you to just stare at me. Don't, don't move. You step by step, remember? And just open your arms. And so here's one, here's one way we do it. Let's go to 1C Church today. This is so good. Oh, the coffee was great. Hey, God, what's up? Hey, hey, I'm going to stay in the shadow here. I'm going to stay in the shadow here. Oh, let's feel the heat. Something coming off that Lord right there. You know, but look, he's still watching me. He still sees me. And sometimes, this is what's so good. Sometimes he starts pursuing me. And he starts pursuing me. And slow down, slow down, God. And he, he starts pursuing me, and I'm thinking about what I did, right? And I can't even handle the smoke coming off that mountain because I'm thinking about what I did. How dare you love me like that? Don't you get close to me. You just stop, God. But God never stops. He never stops coming after me. And even though the preacher says you step, I step, the truth is God will chase you down. God will chase you down. God will chase you down. Chase you down like someone took your Nerf gun. Chase you down. God will chase you down. Chase me down. Chase me down. And finally, when he gets you, he gets you. He's going to embrace you. He's going to embrace you. And then I can't get him. I can't get him to let go. But Lord, Lord, did you know what I did yesterday? He says it doesn't matter because tomorrow's tomorrow. You got air to breathe? You got a time to change right now. I'm not letting go. Hold me tight. Hold me tight. Hold me tight. Don't let me go. Let me go. Let me go. I don't want to be with you, Lord. Did you know what I did? And he wrestles you like Jacob to the ground. You can't get away. And finally, okay, you're choking me. Cutting off my windpipe. Finally, you embrace your father. And then you start squeezing him like he's your, he's, he's your daddy. And you start squeezing him like, I didn't know I needed a hug so bad, and I don't want to let go of you, God. I don't want to let go of this. Why do you love me like this, God? Why do you love me like this? And that's what happens. Give it up for Colton. Thank you, buddy. Y'all can stand. That's what happens. He wants to hug you like that. You know, when he hugs you, he, he's got a strong grip. When he wrestled Jacob, it was all night. I'm jumping scriptures here. When he wrestled Jacob, it was all night. And he left Jacob even with an injury 
That's how bad he wanted Jacob's heart. He was willing to hurt him to show him how much he loves him and that Jacob would never forget. And thankfully, he had that physical, spiritual, all the above emotional encounter with Jesus Christ in the darkness because he became Israel. And look what Israel went on to do. And they never stopped struggling. They struggled again right now at the foot of the mountain. But they're still growing and they're still learning. So if they can struggle and overcome it, you can, you can overcome it. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but you can overcome it. Isn't that good? That's why there's grace. That's why there's grace. Every head bowed, every hand lifted. You're a good, good father, Lord, and we come to you by grace right now. Let our faith be mighty to march through the door of your mercy. Let us find you, God. If we can't find you, find us. Show us the way. Grab us and don't let us go. Hold us tight. The way your grip is so strong, everywhere we go, you're holding on to us. When we go into the coffee shop, when we go into the workplace, they say, who are you dragging with you? You say, Jesus is holding me tight and he wants to hug you too. He wants to hug you too. God, we're thankful. We're so excited for the future of this house. We, we know it's coming. We give you faith right now because we know it's coming. We believe by faith right now. We worship by faith. We worship not because of what you're going to do, but because of who you are. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And you are perfect in every way. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.